Okay, welcome back to another episode of the Edward Mullen podcast. I'm your host, of course, Edward Mullen, and uh, today I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to do a Frequently Asked Questions podcast. I originally had a section on my website uh, for Frequently Asked Questions, and if you clicked on the tab, it just said uh, page under construction or something like that. I never got around to writing in the questions, and I probably will at some point. And that tab eventually got replaced by comments uh, that uh, people have left from you know my various books and whatnot. Actually, I think it's just for the Art of the Hustle book. So um, I do get a lot of uh, questions that are um, frequently asked, and uh, I do save those in a file because I was going to upload those to my website at one point, but um, I thought maybe it'd just be better to talk about it on a podcast. So the last time I did a podcast, which was a couple months ago, I believe, uh, was the first and only podcast I've done by myself. This is another episode. It's going to be by myself. If you haven't listened to the previous podcast, um, I kind of explain how it's a little bit difficult to get guests uh, if you're not famous. So uh, I wanted to try it out. Um, the last time I felt that it was kind of hard to listen to myself, uh, listen to one person talk for about an hour. So, you know, I'll try to keep this one shorter. All right, so let's get this going. All right, so these questions have been submitted to me by fans or people that are, you know, interested in in uh, asking me questions. I'm not necessarily saying they're fans. And I also put out a tweet um, and a message on my Facebook and some other places uh, advising that this uh, podcast is going to take place. And if you have any questions, please email me. So uh, I have a few questions that were submitted via those channels. So I'll get to those hopefully. So the first question, in no particular order. What is your inspiration? I get this question a lot. In terms of my writing style, I probably derive most of my inspiration from either John Grisham or Dan Brown. Um, I don't really read a lot of fiction, and um, I never have really read fiction, and uh, because I don't really like the flowery kind of writing that a lot of fiction writers uh, write with, they seem to put a lot of fluff into it and it kind of drives me nuts so I kind of more uh, straight to the point uh, get to the punchline type of guy so I end up reading a lot of biographies and non-fiction books uh, but in terms of fiction I really like John Grisham and Dan Brown and when I was uh, first starting out um, I borrowed uh, a lot of ideas from them uh, for instance um, a lot of my chapters are really short I deliberately do this because Dan Brown writes short chapters and I love that because you know, sometimes you want to read a chapter before the bus comes and you only have five minutes. So if there's a 20 page chapter, you know, you don't want to read a couple pages and then jump back into it at lunch and then jump back into it around bedtime and, and you kind of get lost. But you know, my chapters, not only are they short, but I also try to leave you with a cliffhanger, which is something that Dan Brown does. So you kind of want to read the next chapter. Um, one thing that I don't like about a lot of authors and Dan Brown and John Grisham are guilty of this is that they have a secondary storyline going um, a subplot so you'll have a chapter that's interesting and then the next chapter is about something that's not interesting it's about some meeting that some people are having and then it'll jump back into the main story and then the next chapter is the conclusion of the meeting it's like well I don't care about the meeting just tell me tell me the good stuff 
I'm not sure why they write like this. I thought maybe there was two reasons. One, um, there's this thing called the thump value of books where, you know, back in the day when you're trying to sell a book, you can get more money for it if it's thicker. So, um, and the, I, I guess the idea comes from if you drop the, the book on the ground, uh, the louder the thump, the more you can charge for the, uh, the cover price. Uh, I'm not too sure if that's true, but, um, but if that is true, that might be an incentive to, you know, kind of pad your story with a bunch of other fluff that's not really necessary. I think audiences are much different than they were, you know, 20 years ago. Uh, today, there's a lot of things competing for attention. There's, uh, you know, f- content on YouTube or movies or, you know, 500 plus channels or satellite radio or podcasts or, you know, just the access to books. You can literally download pretty much any book you want from the internet. Um, and so you're you have a very, I think the audience has a very short attention span. So you have to, um, you know, captivate them and then hold on to them immediately. Because if you lose them, they'll just, you know, put the book down and, and do something else. So my style of writing, I have a very linear style where um, each chapter follows the previous chapter. And I do that. I mean, sometimes there's two things that are happening um, concurrently and you can't really have, uh, you know, four chapters of one event and then four chapters consecutively of the subplot. It would just be weird. So you have to kind of uh, put a, a main plot, subplot, and you kind of stagger it like a zipper, right? So I, I, I do do that in a couple occasions in my books, but um, but not really. So back to the question, what are my inspirations in terms of writing? Um you know, I kind of alluded to it earlier. I read a lot of nonfiction. So my style of writing is basically adapted from philosophy essays. Um, I never really wrote much growing up. Um, I had a few short stories and stuff, but I didn't really take it that seriously. Uh, and then in uh, university, I was writing philosophy essays, pretty much, you know, one or two a week. And philosophy really trains you to be uh, very concise and particular about the words you choose and the the structure and the order of the words. So I developed a passion for uh, manipulating words in a certain way to extract uh, rich meanings and stuff like that. So uh, when I uh, graduated in 2010, I started writing uh, fiction for the first time. Uh, Well, for the first time in, you know, decades. And... um, I had only really known one way of writing, which was writing philosophy, which is very, you know, to the point and without a lot of fluff. So my fiction uh, eventually resembled that. And the second thing, I also have an associate certificate in technical writing, which is, uh, you know, basically like writing user manuals and very, you know, procedures and help guides and, and, uh, you know, web copy and that kind of thing. So you also have to be very concise. And lastly, uh, and to cap off this question, uh, what are my inspirations? Um, the title of my book, The Art of the Hustle, is actually a nod to Donald Trump's first book, which is The Art of the Deal. And I really like Donald Trump's books. I, I think I've read all of them. And um, he, he grew up, if you don't know, uh, from a very wealthy family. So for him to become a billionaire was much easier. He kind of had a leg up. Uh, you know, he worked incredibly hard and, and, uh, I, I give him, I don't want to take any credit away from him, but the art of the deal kind of implies that you're, you know, in a position to be making deals. So the art of the hustle is kind of like, well, you're not at the deal stage yet. You're trying to get your hustle on and, uh, become in a position where you can make deals. So that's kind of uh, an homage to Donald Trump.
So those are basically my writing inspirations. Okay, so the next question. Uh, I have on my About Me page that I have an associate certificate in technical writing. And believe it or not, I get the question asked, what is technical writing and how does that help creative writing? So uh, technical writing, you can actually go to BCIT's website. That's uh, British Columbia Institute of Technology. That's the certificate that I got. And it basically has a lot of you know things like grammar and uh, writing definitions and uh, writing procedures and you know, that kind of thing, writing for the web for an online audience. There's a lot of things in there. Uh, but technical writing, I guess really any company can hire a technical writer to write uh, procedures and technical manuals and uh, and user guides and help desks uh, and that kind of thing. So, uh, so that's basically what technical writing is. And, you know, a lot of people that might be listening to this, um, you know, maybe have a desire for writing and want to make money or uh, have a career in writing, uh, technical writing might be a great way. They pay a lot. It's uh, fun. Uh, it's really creative, believe it or not. Sometimes you'll get a project that a company says, hey, uh, I want to write an orientation guide. And then you say, well, how do you want it to look? And they say, uh, we don't care. Just write whatever you want. So you get to design the cover and design the format and the layout. So I don't know. That's kind of fun for me. And it's a lot of creativity and just picking what, what words to choose. Uh, I find there's a lot of creative elements in that as well. Um, in terms of how does it help your creative writing, it's, uh, it just basically polishes you so you know proper grammar, proper sentence structure, and that kind of thing. So uh, it doesn't necessarily teach you how to write, but it will polish existing skills. Um, but I think the major advantage for having a background in technical writing is uh, in the editing process. Um, I'll Once I graduated from that program, I noticed a huge improvement in my grammar and sentence structure, which I could go back and edit old work and uh, bring it up to snuff. So uh, I guess it does help in those uh, regards. All right, the next question I get asked a lot is, in your book on how to write a novel, you said that the first draft is a rough draft and that actually writing begins in editing. I always try perfecting what I've written so I end up nowhere. Any suggestions on that? I can just tell you what works for me and that is to not worry about how it sounds at first. Uh, Just try to get words onto a page and then... Uh, you can go back and rewrite it from that existing structure. So you don't have to, your your brain, there's like two different things when you're writing. Your brain is trying to think creatively in terms of uh, how to develop the story and also trying to write well and capture those thoughts. So uh, my thinking is that if the first part of the first draft, if you just try to get the creative elements down and use you know a large percentage of your brain power uh, for that task and don't really worry about the 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 how it sounds part or making it perfect uh, then you can go back and editing and use you know a hundred percent of your brain just to edit it so uh, that's kind of my thinking now when I first wrote the art of the hustle it was actually in December of 2010 but I didn't release the book until the summer of 2012 and it underwent dozens and dozens and dozens of revisions and I actually hired three professional editors to go through the work and to make sure uh you know there's proper spelling and grammar and I still get people emailing me finding spelling mistakes uh so yeah you can't make it perfect but just try to make it perfect on the edit so yeah and that book was maybe an exception my my Subsequent books don't go through that many editing uh, phases because when I first wrote that book, I had no idea how to write fiction. So I was still trying to find my voice. And, you know, 
my first draft is horrible. I would be really embarrassed to show people today because it was really bad. And uh, but you know, I just kept chiseling away at it. Uh, like Michelangelo, I think it was Michelangelo had a famous saying that uh, the sculpture is already in the stone. You just have to basically remove everything around it. And I really like that quote because the core story is somewhere in here, and I just need to chisel away at it and uh, reveal it. So uh, I just go through. Well, in the past, I went through many, many edits. In my future books, I basically do three edits, which I talk about in that uh, How to Write a Novel book. Um, I write it out first. I go back through it in Word. Uh, the second edit is in PDF. I can't remember the order, but I think it's like I save it as a PDF, which basically tricks your eye into thinking that you're seeing it for the first time so you can see a lot of errors that you missed otherwise. And then the third edit is in print. I think I mixed that up. It might be the print second, but whatever. You get the idea. So I have three different screens I look at. I look at Word, PDF, and paper. And I will do that before I even show anybody. So it's pretty polished. Uh, And then I show it to uh, a number of people. I get their feedback and uh, make the changes. I do one at a time so I don't get duplicate feedback. And uh, eventually you'll have a really polished product and I can't really stress that enough because I know a lot of times when you write something, uh, you're really excited, you want praise, you want people to tell you it's the best thing ever written, but it's really not ready yet. You should really, really hold off on it, especially, you know, showing your 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 partner or your roommate or whatever is one thing, but releasing it to the world, that is a huge mistake because there's going to be errors in it. It's not going to be well-developed and people aren't forgiving if they read your story and it's full of errors, and then the next book you write happens to be the world's greatest book, They might, you might not get a second chance because they already know you as the person who writes uh, poorly, right? So, so I'd really want to stress that point. So with this person's question, he's saying, I always try perfecting what I have and I end up nowhere. And I think that's the reason because uh, you're trying to make it perfect and you get kind of bogged down. Your your wheels are spinning in mud, essentially, and you can't gain traction on the story because you're so focused on how it sounds. And, you know, you hit a roadblock at chapter four and you're just like, ah, oh, you s- screw this. So my my suggestion would just be to write every day, which is another point that I mentioned in one of my other videos. It uh, comes down to discipline. Uh, writing is sometimes, you know, writing is not always an enjoyable process. Uh, you really have to sit down like it's your day job and and do the work every day or else you won't get better or else stories won't get done and sometimes it'll sound terrible but that's okay just keep it moving because eventually you'll go back and you'll have a a very clear a much more clear perception of the story uh, when you go back so another thing if this guy to answer your question he's um, writing a bunch of stuff and he's going nowhere that could be um, be a discipline thing. It could be that he's trying to make it perfect, uh, but it also could be about uh, creating a proper outline. You know, structuring your story uh, because you know if you have an idea for oh okay I want to write a scene about a guy who say goes into a bank and and robs the place. Uh, you might be you know full of enthusiasm and and have a lot of ideas and write that scene. Uh, but then what, uh, then once that scene ends, you have going to ask yourself the question, okay, and then what happens next? And you have to have an answer for that or else you're going to hit a roadblock. And sometimes you can paint yourself into a corner where you, you know, write in one direction and then you realize, oh, well, 
actually, I don't want that guy to rob the bank. I want him to do something else. But now you've written this really great bank robbing scene that you can't do anything with because uh, the the story, you know, can't really go in that direction. So uh, there's a lot of uh, situations that can come into play where uh, you can hit a brick wall if you don't outline properly. So that could also uh, be a suggestion for you. Okay, the next question is, how do you deal with criticism? You know, you're never going to please everyone. And uh, the sooner you kind of realize that and you can kind of let it go, you don't have to worry about that. So, uh, you know, if you can go to uh, YouTube and you go to an amazing song that you absolutely love, it's your favorite song in the world, uh, look at how many people that don't like that song, right? So there's obviously people that have different views and opinions on stuff. And uh, some people uh, are are just being negative. They either want a reaction out of you or uh, their things aren't going well with their own life. They're jealous or envious of you and they just want to, they want to uh, impede you, right? They want to fire a shot at you and, and to uh, slow you down. So yeah, I don't really write for other people. Uh, to be honest with you, I write for myself. You notice my books are very different than a lot of other people. Uh, I just got a message today, actually, that's, you know, somebody was, uh, um, commending me for writing a book that's very different than most things on the market. And I agree. I'm I'm curious to know why other people don't write like me because it seems pretty obvious, right? I kind of mentioned it in the first question. Um, you know, why wouldn't you write very fast-paced stuff that seems to be uh, very interesting, right? But a lot of uh, authors don't do that. They give you some fluffy backstory and, you know, like The Life of Pi, for instance. This thing won the Man Booker Prize, uh, so, you know, I don't want to criticize it, but, you know, the story, he's selling you a story about a kid in a boat with some animals, but he doesn't get to that until page 130. So, I mean, the first half is a lot of fluff and, and I, I didn't really appreciate that. And, but you know what it's uh to each their own, it's a different style, but, uh, my advice on how to deal with criticism is just write what you love as long as you put your best effort out there and that's really all that matters uh there's gonna be um basically when you're writing something you're putting out content you're essentially casting a net to see you know hey this is what i think does anybody else feel this way and you know you'll track some people like yeah i think that way too and then you develop your audience right instead of trying to write something for a broad audience because you want to get rich, you want to get famous or something. So you kind of like, you know, you're not too risque or you you write in a particular way and uh, that, you know, is not true to yourself. Uh, you know, I don't think that's the best way because your passion's not going to show, right? And it's not going to be your best effort. It's going to be some watered down version of what you think is what people want. Um, but, you know, I don't write for money. I don't write for adulation. I write because I because I do, like a fish swims or a spider makes a web. I, I do it just to do it, right? So uh, I, I write my stories. I put it out there. Uh, if you don't like it, well, that's fine. As long as it's the best effort that I can do at that time, then I'm happy with it. So, um, you know, I don't really... I don't really um, allow criticism to affect me one way or the other so um that is not always easy to do uh, you have to essentially have confidence in your in yourself and your writing skills and um you know that can take a long time to develop so yeah but you know some criticism is good if people are saying oh yeah you should change this uh from passive voice to active voice or change this develop this more and yeah i do have uh editors that tell me that and i listen to them if 
if I feel that it's warranted or good advice. So, uh, but yeah, negative criticism. I mean, haters, there are going to be haters and their opinion is no more valid than the supporters. I mean, art is, sub- you know, inherently subjective. So, you know, whatever. I don't pay any attention to those people. And, uh, you know, so far I don't receive any hate for my books. I do get some criticism from some of my blog posts, but, you know, whatever. It's, uh, they are what they are. They're, if you don't like it, don't read it. All right. So the next question is, um, when did you start writing? I kind of addressed this in the first question. I didn't start writing until about 2010, December 2010. I really sat down and, and wrote my first book. Um, actually, that's not true. The, the first book, which is actually my second book, The Destiny and Free Will book, I started writing that in 2003. Um, and it's a funny story how I came about writing that. I was working at the this athletic store, and I was doing stock duty, which is basically organizing the stock room. And I was working with a guy who was trying to preach to me uh, Christianity. So um, we had a healthy debate. And I said, you know what? I'm going to start my own religion. And it's going to be about how everything happens for a reason. And I started kind of throwing down the bones of it in the back in the stock room. So then I, when I got home that day... Uh, I started writing the story and it was not really a story, but I started writing down these ideas, these kind of tenets in my religion. And this is before philosophy, before any sort of writing uh, that I had done. Uh, I was just basically getting these ideas across um, or out of my head and onto paper. And I had about 20,000 words and then I was stuck. I didn't know really what to do. And I always planned, I'm going to develop this into a book but then I never did. I went to university. Uh, it took me about six years to get a four-year degree. So I did it part-time. I had to work as I put myself through school. Uh, and then in 2010, I thought, hey, I got an idea for a story, this rags to riches story called The Art of the Hustle. I wrote that in about six weeks. Um, and then I was looking for another project. I go, well, hang on a sec. I already have about 20,000 words of this uh, Destiny and Free Will book. Let me go back and see if I can revise that. And when I read it or reread it, it was I basically had to scrap the whole thing. It was it was unreadable. It was garbage. It was it was humiliatingly bad. I mean, I I it was it was so awful because at that time I'm whatever like 20 years old. I haven't really lived. I have no world experience and I haven't written anything in my life uh really, right? And at that time, I was trying to sound really smart by using all these big words and really complicated sentences and 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 all this kind of stuff. But um, uh, it was it was really uh, it was really pitiful. You know, it was like an older version of yourself watching a younger version of yourself do something really foolish, and you just shake your head like, "Oh, poor kid. He just he doesn't know any better." You know, sometimes when you're young you think you know everything or you think you're smart or whatever but really it takes till you know maybe 10 years later and you realize that you weren't that smart you don't know everything so but before that I did write some short stories uh, which is kind of interesting because I was on this path to become a lawyer I went through school with the intent I went I went back to school with the intention of being a lawyer I studied for the LSATs and all that kind of stuff I was reading uh, you know books on law taking courses on the law I had the charter of rights and freedoms on my wall I memorized it 
And even to this day, I'm looking down on my desk. I have a coaster that's from the federal court. I'll see what this is. It says uh, Federal Court of Canada. I don't know what this is. It's like a coat of arms. Um, so I was really passionate about the law. And I, I looked back at my life and I realized that all those things that had no meaning were actually pointing me in the direction to become a lawyer this whole time. You know, like one of the uh, earlier questionnaires that I had written in like grade four says, what do you want to be? I said, a lawyer. So I'm like, aha, see, I've always known. And, but you know, the decisions kind of seemed organic at the time. But then I looked back at my life, like, no, it was my destiny. It was my calling. I was supposed to be a lawyer the whole time. And then after I graduated 2010, I you know, decided uh, to take a year off from school. It's a little bit burnt out. Um, and I started writing and I developed a love for writing. And in that year, I never really thought about law school at all. I, I, uh, you know, the passion weaned. I was actually much more interested in writing. And then I look back on my life with a different kind of lens and I realized, well, hang on a sec. I wasn't designed uh, to be a lawyer after all. I was actually designed to be a writer. So, I did write a lot of short stories that I had forgotten about. And um, when email first came about in like whatever, 1998, I first got my email account. Um, I started writing, you know, short stories as a form of email, send it to my, excuse me, I'd send it to my friend and he'd send me a short story back. And so, or, you know, maybe that was organic. I was always meant to be a writer, uh, but you know, whatever, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, after university i mentioned earlier i developed a passion for crafting words and writing and so i really kind of consider myself uh at what age did you start Eh, probably 2010 which whatever i was like 28 or 29 um i kind of had a late start but that's okay i mean uh you gotta start somewhere right all right so the last um series of questions uh pertain to the art of the hustle so um the number one question I get asked for the art of the hustle is how much of it is true to life? Um, a lot of it is true to life. So the first half of the book, if you haven't read the book, it's basically a rags to riches story. The first half of the book uh, is like kind of a rags section. And the last half of the book is a riches section. So for the rags section, I, I knew that quite well because i've been poor uh i've never been a billionaire um so the first half is about 90 percent true um there are you know uh, situations that um i picked throughout my life that i thought would make a good narrative and uh some in some cases i adapted them to make them better um you know for instance uh in the scene where trevor goes to banff uh, and he's skateboarding one night with Will, uh, and those drunk guys attack us. Um, that is a true story. Although, uh, in the real story, uh, we got away, uh, in the book, I make it that Trevor gets caught and, uh, Will has to kind of come to his aid and, and beat the guy up. So little things like that changes. Um, but you know, the following scene where we're, uh, you know, Will's smoking cigarettes and all that kind of stuff, that, that is true. So I kind of jump back into, uh, the truth element. Um, all the Ashley stuff, uh, is, uh, there was no Ashley. Um, basically, uh, the, the girl that came to Banff and gave me a card, uh, that event did happen. And, uh, but I never end up meeting with meeting up with her in Vancouver or 
otherwise. Um, all the other Ashley stuff is actually an amalgamation of other girls I dated, all kind of combined into one girl. And, you know, in some cases I just made things up like uh, her being rich um, and not telling me, um, her living in an apartment by herself, all that stuff's uh, fake. Well, it's not really fake. I, I knew a girl I used to work with that had an apartment and she lived by her, she actually lived with her twin sister and her parents would give her money. So that kind of inspired me to write about that. So, you know, there's little elements like that that are not really true to life, but they're kind of based on true events. But the last half of the book is pretty much all fake. I, I made it up because I didn't have any experience of being rich or whatnot. Um, oddly enough, so so I actually did move to Banff in like 1999 and I stayed there for about a year worked at a snowboard shop all that kind of stuff I did meet a girl that gave me a card and I didn't see her ever again until I happened to bump into her like 10 years later I bumped into her like a year ago and it was really strange it was after the book I happened to have a copy of the book on me um and I gave it to her I said you know this might be a little bit creepy. It's borderline creepy. It's kind of flattering in some some ways. So I was kind of reluctant to to give her the book because it's kind of like she's like the main lead love interest in the book, which is kind of weird because I don't even know this lady. But uh, yeah, she she uh, read it and she really liked it and she reached out to me and, and messaged me and said she really liked it. And uh, so I thought that was kind of weird. It is also a very kind of serendipitous event, you know, like my next book, uh, that followed Art of the Hustle, the Destiny and Free Will. It's a lot of coincidences and strange encounters and this kind of thing. So I don't know, it's just another one of those uh, scenarios that happened in my life. Um, so with that question, uh, is there a real Daryl Channing in your life? Uh, yes, at one point there was. I haven't seen this guy in many years, and that's obviously not his real name, uh, but all that kind of stuff, like the company, the fight on the street, the lawsuit, that's all real. Um, this guy and his dad screwed me over big time. Well, not big time. At the time, it was big time. Like, you know, I got sued for like $4,000 and I lost. I countersued him and won, but I never collected a dime because I, I couldn't find him, essentially. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, uh, that situation allowed me to write a book. You know, without that event, without meeting him and all those crappy stuff happening to me, I might never have been uh, become a writer. I wouldn't have those experiences to write about. So, you know, I look at it like it cost me $4,000 and some maybe, you know, lost night's sleep or whatever, but look at what I gained. I gained a whole career out of it. So, uh, so I kind of look at the positive rather than negative, but yeah, I mean, I haven't, I haven't seen that guy in years. All right. So the next question I get asked from time to time is, uh, why do you call, why does Trevor call his restaurant Ace? And um, yeah, there's situations in the book where uh, I, I deliberately didn't answer that question. So in the book, uh, you know, him, Trevor and his uh, old roommate are hanging the sign to the restaurant and it says Ace. And he goes, hey, Trevor, why do you call your restaurant Ace? And he's like, there's actually a funny story behind that. And then he gets arrested and then you never find out why he calls his restaurant Ace. Um, I didn't forget about that. I deliberately left that blank as kind of like a, uh, an Easter egg and it's very obscure. I, I wouldn't expect anyone to know it, but actually ace in Latin is unity, 
which is the name of Trevor's company. So, you know, there's a lot of things in the book, which a lot of wouldn't make sense to a lot of people, but they're, uh, you know, tr- um, they mean something to me. Right. So, um, you know, th- the, the numbers on his apartment will, will mean something to my life or, um, I don't know. There's a little, there's a little stuff in there that I get a kick out of when I read it. Cause it's Easter eggs for me, but nobody will ever, you know, it'd be very difficult for you to pick up on them. Right. But, uh, I, I can't really think of any other examples, but there's, there's kind of lots in there where, uh, they have dual meanings. And the reason I did this is because I want, I was re- at the, at the time when I was writing it, I was emailing the story to myself and I was always afraid that somebody would hack into my email and steal my story. And so one way to prevent this is if I embed little pieces of real life trivia into it, that if it ever came down in a court case where some thief is like, hey, your honor, I did write this story, then I could pull out all these things like, oh, this is the reason why this and I could prove it. So uh, that's why I did it. It's really silly. And I don't really do that in any future books. But uh but yeah, I guess that's why I did that. Um, the next question I get asked a lot is whatever happens to the charges in Trevor's uh, court case. So um, without you know spoiling too much, Trevor gets arrested and it looks very bad that he is guilty of this crime. And then, you know, we never find out what happens next. Um, I deliberately did that. Um, I kind of wanted to make it seem like Trevor was this good guy throughout the book and you're, you're rooting for him. And then I want to throw in something to make you question like, wow, like the evidence against him is pretty strong. Did he actually commit this crime? I wanted the audience to, to kind of really seriously consider like maybe he did do this. I don't know. And, uh, to be honest with you, I don't really know if he did it or not because I, didn't really explore the rest of that. Um, in the last sentence of the book is, he says something like, uh, this is only the beginning. I, and I might even have dot, dot, dot after, I can't remember. But uh, I put that in there to kind of give a nod to a sequel. You know, like, this is only the beginning, there's more to come. And then having stuff like you know why do you call your restaurant ace or or the the lawsuit maybe i could address those in the second book or something like that so that's kind of how i had it planned obviously a sequel doesn't really make sense if the first book is not successful because you know who's going to read a sequel to 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 a book that they haven't read the first one so i kind of wanted to write the first one test the market see uh what the response is and then uh write a sequel um, the response has been quite well, and I I get that question a lot. Is there going to be a sequel? Uh, probably. Um, I have uh, I've written uh, six or five books that are completed that are going to come out every about six months. Uh, I'm working on my sixth book, which I'm about halfway done. Uh, I have an idea for my seventh, which I will probably write. Um, I don't know this fall, maybe. Hopefully, I'll be done by winter. And then in 2014, um, maybe I'll tackle The Art of the Hustle 2, uh, which I already have an outline for. Um, I've already written some scenes, and I've compiled a ton of notes, and I already have designed the book jacket. So it's kind of, 
been developed. And believe it or not, I actually have a file on my computer that says Art of the Hustle 3, which has a rough outline and some notes on maybe a th- uh, threequel or whatever you call it, a third installment of the trilogy. So we'll see how that goes. Um, as far as my other books, I get uh, the question a lot. Well, what do, when is your next book coming out? Um, my next book is called Prodigy, and I'm releasing them based on chrono- uh, chronologically and when I wrote them. Uh, you know, there's no real good reason for that, but um, it also kind of shows you a progression of my writing skills. I wrote Prodigy in 2011, and it will hopefully come out in 2013, which has been a trend of mine. You know, write a book and two years later it comes out. Uh, but since I wrote Prodigy, I uh, have written like, you know, 50 blog posts. I've written uh, five other books. Um, I've gone to school, graduated with a uh, technical writing certificate. I now work uh, as a professional writer. And so, so my sk- the point is my skills are developed quite a bit. So now when I go back, and, and by the way, Prodigy has sat on my computer for two years. So I go, I'm just starting to go back to it now and and bring it up to snuff. So uh, I noticed there's a lot of areas w- which could be developed. So I'm going to go through that with my new skill set and try to make it the best it can be. Hopefully I can release that sometime in the summer. Uh, and then the third book, um, maybe around Christmas, I don't know. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, and then the fourth book, you know, whatever, like April, 2014, I I have no idea, but just, you know, I'm just going to stagger it. Uh, so that's kind of that. Um, the, it, it's kind of hard because a lot of the stories, I want people to read it. I want the feedback. Right. Uh, but you know, I'm just, I have to follow my advice and just sit on it. And, uh, but I can tell you that, if you like the art of the hustle, you are going to love, and you like that style of writing, you are going to love my other four or five books or whatever future books because I have so much experience writing now that the the storytelling is much better, the the writing, the crafting of words is much better, and you know the ideas are are pretty cool, right? I gen- generally, you know, I have a background in philosophy, uh, so you know that kind of speaks to my uh, you know, inquisitive nature. I'm a type of guy that really likes things that are unexplained, can't be answered, like Bermuda triangles and and Bigfoot and aliens and that kind of stuff. So, I write about really cool ideas. And uh, in in my opinion, maybe you disagree, but uh, so the art of the hustle is a very, uh, you know, it's a book grounded in reality. Uh, there's no science fiction elements. Um, and, and it's true to my life to some extent. The second book I caught, or well, the second book was my destiny and free will book, but the the second fiction book prodigy is actually, uh, a chat was, uh, started as a challenge to myself because if I wanted to take myself seriously as a writer, I wanted to write a story that wasn't so true to myself. So what I did was I made a female uh, protagonist. Uh, she has a form of autism called synesthesia, and it takes place a hundred years in the future. There's a lot of science fictiony elements in it, and it's really good, uh, in my opinion. 
and I'm really excited for its release, and uh, you should expect that to come out in a couple months or so, whatever. All right, so that basically wraps it up. Those are uh, some of the questions that I that I get. If uh, you have a question for me, you can email me at edward at edwardmullen.com, and maybe I'll do another one of these. Um, All my uh, writing and projects and all kinds of stuff can be found on my website, edwardmullen.com. I have a YouTube channel. Uh, Obviously, I have a podcast. You're listening to that now. Um, I have a blog, uh, the world-famous Plato's Academic Blog. And, uh, yeah, you can all... All those links are... uh, found on my website and um thank so yeah thank you for uh listening and tuning in if you like the podcast uh let me know email me tell me uh if you want uh me to do more of these solo ones or have more guests i could try to bring back sarah uh let me know so uh thanks a lot